Hi, and thank you for listening to me introduce the Family Life Christian Center podcast. Whether you're listening because you slept in on Sunday or you're just back for more, we are so glad you're here. We truly believe God is doing great things in the earth through you. Whether it's your family, friends, coworkers, or people you've never met, you are called to touch the lives of those around you. We believe it's our job to empower you to fulfill your highest calling in Christ. So buckle up, because we know God has something special for you right here and now. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. been here for any amount of time at Family Life, uh, oftentimes what we like to do, we talk about how this is uh, uh, the locker room or the training room. We like to, uh, as a family, everyone is growing and at somewhere in their journey. And some people really have a gift for sharing and for teaching. And we love to see that activated and we love to see that shared. And one of the most fun ways that we found to do that is through uh, what we usually call five-minute fuel. Do you want to tell us about five-minute fuels? Well, five-minute fuels is a chance to give uh, people in the church five minutes to share what God's been doing in their life, some revelation that they've received on their journey through life. Uh, But today, we've extended it. We're going... We don't know what it's called yet. It was five-minute fuel. Then we're thinking maybe 10-minute tool. Maybe it's... uh, Andrew suggested 10-minute top-off. That was pretty good. Following like the fuel... That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's what people were most excited yeah. about was the fuel metaphor. <laughs> uh, so we're really trying to hang on to that. Yeah. But we have three different speakers today uh, that will be sharing a bit about what God has been teaching them. And it's very exciting just to get to see what untapped potential yeah. there is in this church body. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So we want to uh, welcome up Christine Aikenhead. Uh, so let's, let's welcome Christine. She has a powerful word to share with us today. Yeah. Thanks, Christine. Hey, so... I'm titling this Some Insights and Meaty Bites from Psalm 34. We could, um, <laughs> I still want to come up with something 10 minutes something, but I haven't hit that one yet. Um, insights and Meaty Bites. After the first service, somebody came up to me and said, you know what, what was your inspiration? Because I'm what the Lord's been teaching me the last three months has been relative to Psalm 34. And um, it's not like one one theme. It's many different themes. And so I guess if I'm going to wrap it into one theme, I would say um, how the church really functions and lives and, and grows. And so uh, with um, no further ado, let me just talk about Psalm 34. So um, the most important thing to lay the foundation for Psalm 34 is before the Psalm starts, there's this little introduction line. And it says of David, when he feigned insanity before Abimelech, and then he sent him off and then he departed. So that whole scene set up uh, David's developing Psalm 34. And what had happened was David had a bunch of followers. Remember, he was anointed to be king, but it was not time yet, and Saul was trying to kill him, so trying to escape Saul, he went to Gath. Now, does that um, town sound familiar to you? Because remember where Goliath was from? He was from Gath. And so um, 
Obviously, David was an enemy of Gath, but he's bringing himself and his entourage, and they're all going to kind of hide out there. So when it gets to the gate, there's Abimelech, and his wise people are there too. And um, so he's basically asking permission to come in and stay. And uh, the, the advisors say, wait a minute, isn't that the guy that they sang that song Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Isn't that him right there? And David's like, you know, what do I do now? And um, he feigned insanity. <laughs> he literally act like a crazy guy so that Abimelech would say, you know, get out of here, and he could escape with his life. And then came Psalm 34. So the first thing that David writes is, I will bless the Lord at all times, or I will extol, oh, well, depends on what um, version you have. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Um, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble and afflicted shall hear of it and be glad. And in these verses, he's starting to pour out his thanksgiving to God to bless him and to honor him because here he was in desperation and he uh, was saved. He was delivered in a miraculous way. And it just brought out all this love and devotion to God. And after he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, like a continual flow of blessing, he says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. So this is, a, this is bringing another part of your being into play because your soul is like your will, your mind, your emotions, your passions. These things that can drive you, these things can get away from you. We're going to get them in line and say, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. And so the focus is going to be on the Lord for my passion, for my emotion, for my drive in life. And it's a beautiful thing because he is pulling the various aspects of his life into line right here. The humble and afflicted shall hear and be glad. I want us to pay attention to humble because that shows up numerous times in this psalm and it's going to play a real big part of what the Lord's been ministering to me about Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So I can kind of see like as the church, we're beginning to start with I got rescued. I begin to allow praise to flow in my life and my soul to line up too. And now I'm bringing others in and I'm um, uh, encouraging them. Oh, magnify. It's, a, it's an instruction, really. Hey, let's be united in magnifying the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. That word right there is in unitedness. And let us exalt his name in unitedness. It tells me something about how the church functions. How can we be one body? How can we be baptized into one body? This is one way we function in unity, by extolling the Lord, magnifying him together. It says, I, then the next thing was, uh, I called upon the Lord and he heard me. But when you look at the original language, it says, I resorted to the Lord and he responded and delivered me from all my fears. And that's kind of reflecting David's 
first experience with the Abimelech thing, where he started from with this psalm. And as it's developing, he's saying, I started at this resorting spot. I resorted to the Lord. And guess what? He came up big. And I want to just encourage all of us that if we're in the place where, God, you're my last resort, he's up to the challenge. He is a faithful God. He hears. He responds. He is our Father who loves us, and he's got the juice to uh, rescue us from all our fears. Amen. In the next verse, it says, they looked to him and were radiant. I love that. Because that term radiant means to flow and to stream. And so my first kind of cross-reference here is the um, John 7, 37 to 39 verse. Because as I was studying this and I saw in the, in the original language, it looked to him and were radiant, which meant to flow and to stream. It made me think of that verse um, in John 7 that says that whoever believes in Jesus out of his innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And the Lord was connecting those things for me. Again, we're kind of focusing on church life, life as the body. And there's this continual flow that if you ever go to the Lord, he's not dried out. There's always a flow. There's always a provision. And then as we become unified with God, out of us flows. And it's a flow that's continual and beautiful. So here's that verse. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking, the next verse says this, he spoke about the Holy Spirit, who at that time had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And all of us as New Testament believers, as believers who have the, have the great, wonderful experience of living in a day when the Holy Spirit has been given, have the opportunity to experience that flow. They looked to him and were radiant, and they flowed and streamed, and their faces were never covered with shame. Okay. Then this next piece is about um, this humble man or afflicted man cried out. All right, let me talk about that for a second. When I looked up this verse, the term cried out actually meant called out, proclaimed, or read. Called out, proclaimed, or read. It has a different meaning entirely from the first one, where it says, I resorted to the Lord. This one seems to really reflect the relationship with God where the person, David, or us, has the realization of our relationship with God being him as the father, this wonderful provider, and he's the king, and we're his children. And he make, has already completed. In other words, at the cross, what happened? Everything. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He had completed everything that he wanted to do to redeem mankind. And 
We, as children of God, have the opportunity to decree that truth, to say, Father, this is your word. I'm decreeing it into this situation. All righty, so the kingdom of God is here, and it takes this whole concept here, takes into account the finished work of Christ. And as we declare this in our own lives, in other people's lives, we're bringing the realization of the kingdom to bear in that situation, which is so awesome. So again, it says, this poor, humble, or afflicted man called out, proclaimed, or read, and the Lord heard and delivered him out of all his troubles. So what's really cool, you guys, is that today's worship time was so filled with so many of these themes that are coming out from Psalm 34. So the next verse says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver him. And remember when we were singing, it might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. God is just connecting the, what we're going to be hearing today with what the worship team brought forward. And I love that because it becomes a full concept and we can hear it, we can experience it in our spirit, soul, and body. But anyway, I thought that was awesome. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver him. So I want to connect this next theme about fearing God and the humble shall hear and be glad. This humble man called out and all that. And um, if you look up anything about fear, like if you look up that term in the original language, it literally means reverently fear. And so taking into account our right relationship with God, where he is our father that we have wonderful access to. We never have to grovel. We never have to do anything to talk to him. There's nothing required because it's all been done by Jesus. So we've got access, but sometimes our balance tips on the side of God doesn't care about that. And, and we um, can lose the focus of, but he's a great king, but he's the powerful creator, but he's somebody that Really, if he came here in his, all his glory and everything, I don't think I could stand up, right? And so we want to, as believers, stay in balance with those concepts. Again, the worship team was talking about or singing about the lion and the lamb. I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. A lamb, such an approachable, peaceful creature. A lion, amazing, powerful. I have great respect for a lion, you know, and so that's our God. And so we're, we're looking at this verse that says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him or reverently fear him to deliver him. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the humble portion so to fear God, just to kind of humble myself. And for my cross-reference, the verse the Lord gave me was in 1 Peter chapter 5. And those verses are about humbling yourself. What do I have? Four time. How did I go over so fast? <laughs> um, so the verses say basically this. Um, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, in, in due time, he will lift you up. And do we have that? Yes. Can you move to the next verse? 
casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So that's what I feel the instruction of the Lord is for us in terms of humbling ourselves. If we're getting in line with what Psalm 34 is telling us about operation, it's like the operation of the body of Christ. It's about bringing that humble concept of letting God deal with my cares. This is how I fight my battles. I don't grind it in my head. I don't try to figure it out in my brain. I'm casting my cares and my anxieties upon him because he cares for me. So I guess uh, these are the three things that I want to bring out for takeaways that the Lord is there for you as your resort if that's where you are too. We grow in that relationship because we are children of the living God and we can decree his word and know that his word doesn't return void. And three, we want to stay in that balanced relationship where we have uh, cast our anxiety and let him be God in our lives. All right, Amen. that's it. Thank you very much. That was good stuff. I love to, we, we found out in the first service that uh, all, all three speakers today have connected themes that also connected to worship. So it's just kind of cool. Like it feels like that always happens anytime we do these, that it's just like God speaking to individuals and they all line up together to prevent a unified message, which is really cool. So thank you, Christine. Um, so next up we have me. Hi everybody. I know. Announcement Danny is gone. Now we have teacher Danny. Uh, I'll set a timer for myself because I know how easy it is to go over because I did on the first service. So I'm going to do better this time. I have a nine-minute timer. It'll remind me to land the plane. So, uh, so in talking about the things that are currently relevant to our life, what God is teaching us, uh, my wife and I had twins uh, three months ago, and we have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter as well. Thank you. They're delightful. Um, but not always. <laughs> so... I call that a segue. Twins are tough. Turns out kids are difficult. Like it blows my mind thinking that people have done this forever. Like there have always been kids and there have always been parents that have managed to deal with those kids and raise them up and not lose their minds. Like it's at this point that I'm like, wow, that's tougher than I always thought that it was. So I have a whole new respect for parents, especially parents of big families. I didn't even realize it, but I was sitting up here talking about how tough it is to have three kids while like the hoaxers with five kids and Nancy Barlow with seven is probably up there being like, are you serious? Like, are you joking up there? You just got three. Uh, but anyways, we have it where it's like, you know, we have all these responsibilities of like, Natalie and I run our own businesses. Uh, so self-employed through COVID, trying to recover from that, uh, trying to keep marriage strong, trying to keep the family strong, trying to serve at church, all these responsibilities. And then you get, you know, we had our two and a half year old daughters and now twins where it's like, well, Natalie's still in recovery mode. There's this added weight of like, now we have to keep all these kids alive and get to work somehow and make some money and eat somewhere in there and try and get some sleep. But every hour on the hour, the kids rotate. They've worked out a schedule. We're like, Will, Will wakes up at midnight. Avery's up at one, Winnie's up at two, and it's like, it's crazy, and for months now, like, it's, it's easy to understand how you can lose your mind this way. So, Natalie and I, we were at the end of a really long week, and Natalie called an audible to Nancy and said, hey, mom, like, we, we need, like, two hours to get dinner. We're both spent. We have nothing left. Like, Danny's way past empty, and I'm right there. Like, I need mom right now for two hours. We just need to get out. So we went to uh, the Cheesecake Factory, and we're sitting there at a booth waiting for our food, and we're just, like, sitting there being like, what are we going to do? 
Like, <laughs> how are we going to do, like, we just have to keep doing this. Like, the twins don't go away. Life doesn't get easier. We still have to make money somehow. We still have to eat. Like, we still have to take care of ourselves. We still have to sleep. Like, and tomorrow's going to come, and it's going to be just as hard as today was. How do we do this? It, it was uh, this real come to Jesus moment. And at that point too, it was like, hey, we need to be taking better care of our bodies. And I was like, you want me to go to the gym? Like, you want me to add additional struggle to my life where I have to put extra effort in in the middle of all this? And like, and also like, I think we're, you know, like a glass of wine at the end of the night was almost every night. And we're like, well, that's not healthy or good. Like, you know, we should probably scale back on that one. And then also like, we're having like dessert after like every meal because it's like, I just feel like with how hard a day is, I just, it's that one little treat I get to look forward to. And we're talking about like, well, how do we still get treats? How can we still reward ourselves for doing good work? And we were thinking about like, if we got like candy or chocolate or a glass of wine with every hard thing we did in a day, we'd be fat and drunk every day forever. (laughs) So that won't work. So it was like, there's no amount of reward that will properly, you know, compensate the work we're doing right now. So the conversation switched. I like thought about it for a second. I was like, okay, let's try thinking about this differently. What if we stop trying to escape our responsibilities and get around them or reward ourselves for doing such difficult things? And what if instead we just accepted the responsibility and we said, this is tough, but we can't get rid of them. We can't avoid it. So we're just going to have to grow. It's a, it's a necessity. We don't really have a choice in this case. And it's kind of beautiful when you think about how many families have done this too, where they say, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't think I can do this. And then somewhere in the back of your mind, God whispers, you can. You can and you will. Because again, we have a God who has fought that battle. He's found the victory and he's going to guide us into that. So uh, with that in mind, let's go to Romans 5, uh, verse 3. Uh, so this was kind of one of the first things that came to mind. So Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence. So here's the deal too, where I'd say, there's no way I can do this. But then I think to myself, back of my head, Holy Spirit's talking to me saying, yes, you can. And be happy about that because that battle is won. It's tough right now, but you can be happy and be confident. You will eventually win it because you know that all these pressures will develop in us a patient endurance. Endurance feels like the word. It's funny. We think about getting through a week feels like a marathon. We got at least 18 years before we have like long breaks from these kids. So that's talk about endurance. So next verse, Uh, and patient endurance, that's going to refine our character. And then proven character leads us back to hope. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. I think about football as a kid. They always say like, I do football, builds character. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then I did football. And you know what happened? It built character. Because (laughs) I had to run sprints that I didn't want to run. I was out of shape. I was a chubby little middle schooler. And I didn't want to do football. And I got hit really hard over and over again. And I just had to endure it. And it built character. Because I learned, hey, I can actually do this. And I became stronger. So then again, that proven character then leads us back to hope. What do we mean by that? Let's go to the next verse. And this hope, the real hope built from character, uh, it's not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So what they're saying is that endurance builds character, character brings hope. And you say, okay, well, there's a disappointing fantasy kind of hope and that kind of hope is things like kids, is, kid, like having kids is going to be great. Party all the time. That's a disappointing fantasy. If that's what you expect going into having kids, you're going to be disappointed because it is not all fun and games. And you might think marriage is going to be great. That's going to be fun all the time, always, and really easy. 
That's a disappointing fantasy. Marriage takes a little bit of work. And you can say, oh, you know, like being fit sounds really great. I'm going to love being fit and athletic. And you go, that's a disappointing fantasy. That's going to take a lot of work and sacrifice. Like you can be good. You can have the disappointing fantasy, but reality, the real thing, it's a lot harder, but it's real. If you're going to be good at something, it may as well be reality, right? I mean, how much time do we spend trying to look good on Instagram and on Facebook when that's not actually reality? You can look perfect online, but when it comes to reality, have you endured the difficult things? Have you done the hard work? Have you built the character that made you actually as strong as you're presenting yourself to be? Like in reality, is that there? Or are you just trying to look that way? So that hope is real. That's not a disappointing fantasy. So uh, I want to go right to the next verse too, James 1. Uh, verses two through five. This is all of the passion. That's why it sounds extra beautiful. Um, so my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, and I'm sure a couple of us can identify with that. Life's tough, no question. Though it seems you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. The greatest possible joy comes from enduring nothing but difficulties? Like, how does that happen? That's ridiculous, but let's go on. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. When it's 1 a.m. and we've been working our buns off all day, and when we should have gotten time to like just watch a TV show or relax for a second, the kids were still up, or there's stuff to do tomorrow, so we had to do dishes instead of spend time together. And we had to stay up extra late because there's a client that needs product from me that I still have to deliver. And then you finally get to bed late, and we've had it like 10 times now. We'll be like, all right, we're laying down. We're finally in bed. It's like midnight. And we're like, oh, Jesus, thank you for this day. Please give us strength to get through another one. And Jesus said, amen. And it's like me, it's as I'm saying the word amen, it's like almost without fail. Like we, I, I like say it with he, like hesitance. I'm like, amen. And then it's like, we wait to hear if there's going to be a noise. But it's so in all of this though, what, as our faith is tested, as our limits are tested, in that we get to the end of ourselves and then Jesus shows up and he says, you can do more. You can get stronger. You can grow. This is actually where I'm going to show up. This is where you're going to get stronger. This is where I'm going to teach you. This is that endurance. Now that, that endurance and just blind suffering now becomes character. And that's a good thing. And when you have that character, suddenly you have hope. Like realize that Nancy Barlow had seven kids. You think that you got the end of three kids and said, I could never have four. You know, at a certain point you say, I can do this now. A couple years have gone by. We figured out new systems. I learned better. I learned how to schedule. I learned how to plan. I learned how to de delegate. I learned how to reschedule my life. We figured out a new work situation. Now I can do more because I did this. So because I have overcome this, I've built that character. Now I'm capable of more. I wanted to think about the parable of the talents. So remember where it's like, Master gives uh, one talent and his, or bags of gold is the other thing. Like I gave one bag of gold to one servant, three bags of gold to another, five to another. The five and three brought back 10. They, five, they doubled their money. And then the first guy said, I'm just going to bury it somewhere. I don't want to do it. So I want you to think about it differently. Let's think about it this way. Let's say a master came to a servant and he handed him one problem. And then he went to another servant and he handed him three problems. And he went to the fifth one and said, I, here's five problems. And they'd probably go, you think about, oh, you just gave me a bunch of money, but what he's giving them is responsibility. He's saying, I'm giving you a task, a charge, a challenge, and you're going to have to solve the problem about how to turn this money, turn one bag of gold into two bags of gold. 
That's a problem. That's difficult. Now, you know, early Danny would just say like, oh, I'm sure I can figure it out. I'm pretty smart. But then you try it and you go, oh, this is harder than I thought. Natalie and I have been trying to start a business now for the last six months, and we were expecting, I was hoping, my disappointing fantasy was that we would have like a thousand sales in the first two months. So far, we've had three. And it's realizing that this is going to take some time. You know, the disappointing fantasy is like, okay, that's, that's disappointing. That's what it is. But the endurance that's going to come with, okay, what can I do next? How can I make this stronger? Who can I talk to? Who can I meet? What can I try? What can I read? What books can I read? Uh, can we partner with somebody? What can I do to actually go through the endurance that's going to produce the character that leads to the real hope? Because there is victory, but it's going to take some endurance. And But on the way, you're going to grow in character until you eventually get there. And I just wanted to read the very last verse of uh, James 1, uh, 5, I think it is then. Um, Because you might be wondering too, like, how do I get through all of this? What am I going to do? As your endurance grows, uh, then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I will say now, some of, the, some of the messages, the revelations in my life that are the strongest are the ones that I've bled the most for, the ones that I've suffered the most for. When I think about standing up against condemnation, I've dealt with that hard, and I, and I know that message better than any other one. And standing up against how difficult relationships are, we've struggled and sought through that one to figure out the truth of it. We've endured and built the character, and we found that answer. And now we know that's so deep. And even what I'm sharing with you today, the reason I'm talking about how there's beauty in enduring suffering is because we're doing it. It's working. Our character is growing. Natalie and I are more capable now than we were before we had twins because though it's hard, it made us stronger. So in this whole way, like we said, God is fighting our battles. God has the victory for us. So in the whole way, you can know in the back of your mind, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, I think it's in here. Uh, Can we jump ahead one more verse? So if you don't know what to do, if anyone uh, longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. And here's the beauty. Endurance means you're going to fail over and over and over and over and over again. You're trying to lift 300 pounds. You're going to not lift it more times than you do until eventually you can. It's going to be little things that lead to the big ones. But he's not going to see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. It's not about doing this perfectly, guys. It's just about finding a problem that God cares about and find, like sticking with it and enduring through to the victory. Because not only does he already have that victory for you, not only is he going to tell you exactly how to get it, and not only when you condemn yourself saying, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to get this, God overwhelms you with grace to say, yes, you will. You're going to make it. You're going to grow. You're going to find joy. You're going to find true hope, not the disappointing fantasy, the true hope. If you could just hang in there. Hang with me and see me through to the other side. That's it. Wow, thank you so much, Danny. That's powerful and very relevant to, I'm, sh- I'm sure, what uh, many of us are going through in life. So thank you for sharing. I want to welcome up our last special guest. Uh, Wendy Norman is a, uh, a, a frequent five-minute fueler. And, uh, and always brings a powerful word. So let's go ahead and welcome up Wendy. Good morning, Family Life. I just want to say that um, I was trying to prepare, set my timer at the, de- at the chair. And, and instead of the time, setting the timer, my feet said, no, these shoes that you were wearing, wearing in the first service has a timer. So 
I'm gonna need you to take these off me. There is no power in the pump today. So, so if you see my height reduced from 6'4 to 4'11, don't, don't panic. That's what happened. I don't wear the shoes anymore. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for laughter. Isn't laughter good? Um, that is, I love, I love Danny's teaching because it, it gives me a paradigm shift on how to approach problems instead of saying, you know, why is this happening to me? I'll ask God, Lord, what am I to gain from this? Um, or um, instead of complaining about it or not, uh, or rather blaming some others, you know, just say like, you know, God, what is my responsibility in this role, in, in this situation? Because the, the amount of time that we spend in the wilderness is totally contingent upon us. Totally. So that's a good teaching. Thank you, Danny. All right. So there is untapped power in praise and thanksgiving that belongs to you. A thankful, great, a thankful and a grateful heart isn't just as a nice experience to have or to um, or a desirable attitude. There is a spiritual power in praise and thanksgiving. And so as Christians, we are called to unleash that power of praise and thanksgiving every day of the year. And what power am I talking about? I'm talking about the power to enforce Satan's defeat and to unlock victory in your life. Most people think that Praise is something that we do after we get what we're praying God for, praying to God for. But that simply isn't true. Kenneth Copeland says this, that praise is the big gun to faith. So the devil wants to keep you thinking that, that pray, think, the devil wants to keep you from thinking um, about praise and thanksgiving while you're in the process of believing because he knows that it's an important key to breakthrough. Remember Paul and Silas when they were locked up in, in the prison and things looked pretty, pretty, pretty grim. But most people would be begging and pleading with God as to why this is happening to me. Uh, I don't, I, I, I serve you. I don't deserve this, you know. So, but instead in Acts 16, 25, thank you. It says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Next verse, please. And suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. So all the prison doors opened, and all the chains came loose because of praise and thanksgiving to God. So praise and thanksgiving to God, that has to be activated and we can activate the power of praise and thanksgiving with these simple truths. Number one, praise and thanksgiving balance the scale. Philippians four and six. Do not be anxious for, about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Notice that Philippians 4 and 6 says we are to present our requests to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Quite often we get so wrapped up in our needs and our desires and what we want and what we don't have. and what, It's just a really long, long list instead of praising the one whom we are petitioning. And there's nothing wrong with asking for God's help. Like I was saying, I earlier I was asking God about my feet because they were hurting real bad from the first service so it's just like but I we need to take the time to just thank him 
and to thank him for what he's already done and what he's doing for us. And so praise and thanksgiving balance the scale in our prayer lives. So allow me to encourage you to not wait to praise and to offer praise and thanksgiving to God until things are just as how you would like them to be. Give him praise anyway in every situation. Amen. So praise him for who he is and what he's done in your life. Praise him that you're saved and that you're delivered and that you're healed and you're set free and headed to heaven. Praise him that he's your creator, that he's your restorer. He's your friend. He's your deliverer. He's your strong tower. He's your very present help in time of need. Praise him that for your freedom. There are people that don't have the opportunity to serve and serve Jesus the way that we do, to be able to openly worship Jesus the way that we do. So we thank God for that. There's so much to be thankful for. Number two, praise and thanksgiving neutralizes the devil. Psalms 8 and 2, please. And thank you. Okay. Um, I'll paraphrase. Um, praise steals the avenger. Okay. It's, it just it stops him in his tracks. So ever wonder why the devil tries to get you to complain and, and grumble and murmur? Because he knows that it is a strength zapper, a faith drainer, and a dream killer. Bishop Tudor Bismarck has, has said this. He said, complaining is the language of demons. So he knows that complaining and grumbling will keep you wandering around in the wilderness instead of arriving to your promised land. So praise and thanksgiving is like kryptonite to the enemy. It's a present Thanksgiving is a powerful spiritual weapon, and it's a sure sign that you have faith in his word. You've eradicated all unbelief and that you have fixed your mind solely on the word of God. Bill Winston says it like this. Praise is much more than just music. It's a powerful spiritual warfare tool. Praise will shift the battle from you to God and praise gives you strength and stops Satan right in his tracks. So praise gives God glory, and it gives the believer, you and I, strength. So praise and thanksgiving builds your faith to keep you thinking right. Because guess what? When we slip into stinking thinking, it gives Satan access to your life. And number three, praise and thanksgiving is one of the ways that God immediately comes on the scene. Psalm 22 and 3. Thank you. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. So I know that there are some of you here today, like I said, with myself included, who really need God to show up. And you've been waiting and standing for God. You've been looking and standing for him to show up in your situation for whatever length of time. But I just want to encourage you that even though you may have battle fatigue, God never, ever loses a battle. And neither will you. So what do you do? You should start praising him. Praise when you don't feel like it. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise. It, 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 it means when it feels tough and you don't have anything to give and you're at the end of yourself and I don't want to do it. Why does this going to work? Why should I praise him? It, it, I'm telling you, it really opens the pathway for him to come in because he inhabits in our praises. Where there is trouble, praise and thanksgiving brings the victory. If you're not familiar with praising God or it makes you feel uncomfortable, 
Ask God to show you how. He can start you off by reading Psalms aloud because they speak greatly about his, his, his mighty works and, and, how, and his goodness and his power and his mercy because he's faithful to perfect your praises. He created you so that you can praise and worship him. For, so you are an instrument of praise, I should say. Amen. So when you pray, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his course with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 100 verse 4. You'll even find that when you have a need, if you go to God in praise and thanksgiving, you'll get the answers that you need just, just simply thanking him. And that's why Philippians 4 and 6 tells us to mix thanksgiving within with our praises. I used to live in Arizona for three months, and God was um, cut, uh, clipping the umbilical cord at that point because I was still at home. And <laughs> he had me to get an apartment like th three blocks down. I think I paid rent for a year, and I stayed there like five times. <laughs> and, but I, didn't, I felt like I was being disobedient, so I kept paying rent like, you goofball, you're still being disobedient because you're not living there. But it was just like, he said, Wendy, I'm pulling you out of the state. And I was like, well, why? He said, because I'm trying to teach you something. I even moved you down the street from your family, and you still wouldn't go. So I said, okay. So I went to Arizona, and I wasn't getting a job. I couldn't find a job. I was just trying. I was like, well, God, what is this? I was practically homeless. And I was just like, God, what is this? So I called at the time. Um, I was a member of Living Word at the time. And I called the prayer ministry. And um, this one lady said, she said, you know what? Let's just praise God. And I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we praised God. And it was like God just, bam, right here at the top of my chest. And it was like a circling motion. He said, go home, go home, go home. Because I had purposed in my heart. I told him, I said, hey, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stay here or do you want me to go home? You know, I was willing to do whatever God had said, what said for me to do. So I was like, okay, Lord. And I said, well, you're going to have to confirm it in your thank you for that in, uh, indirect timer someone said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so I said, uh, okay, Lord. So he had given me a scripture. And this is, I forgive me because he's just reminding me to share this part. So I don't remember the scripture verbatim. But it was something along the lines um, about leaving the land that your forefathers have given. Uh, have given you or something like that and so I was going to look up the cross reference in the amplified and he said no not yet and so um, as I was um, praying that out and then he said now look it up in the message you have done all that I've asked you to do you have fulfilled your assignment you are now free to return back home to the land that I have promised and given your for your forefathers. I was like, thank you. And I packed everything up. But I learned something about praise because it elevates you out of your flesh into the spirit for you to hear God and hear what he's saying. That's why praise and worship always it goes before the word because it sets the atmosphere for God to speak. And there's a lot of things that God he 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 wants to say, but we I love how this house takes the time to worship and praise God and create the atmosphere for him to speak. And so I just want to encourage you to to never underestimate the importance of praise because it is, it is one of the most powerful weapons that you have. God bless you. Thank you.
Well, that's incredible. I hope you feel encouraged and built up in your faith today. I love how all, how, how worship and all those messages just had a, a very common theme. Um, let's go ahead and prepare our tithes and offerings real quick. Uh, I want to read this verse. <clears throat> uh, this is out of 2 Corinthians 9. They have scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will, will, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. If you enjoyed that message, please subscribe and share us with your friends. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the body of Christ and wants to have a relationship with us as He guides us toward our destiny. If you'd like to partner with us in your giving, please check out our website at www.familylife.cc giving. Or you can text GIVE to 844-955-0993. Thank you for listening and stay blessed.